0: This is the College Football Fix Podcast from USA Today Sports.
1: Oh, it's such a big week in college football, Paul Meyerberg. So many good games, so many important games. We are coming down to the end. Before we get into the podcast this week, first I want to just apologize that we did not have an episode a week ago. Uh, As some of you who follow me on Twitter may have seen, When the shooting happened in Charlottesville and we learned about it two Mondays ago, uh, basically I hustled up there about as quickly as I could to try to do some reporting on that story and and did some stuff from there. And so between being in Charlottesville and traveling back and forth, uh, it just logistically did not work out. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but just wanted to let everybody know that's why we didn't record last week. But let's get into this week's podcast and it's Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving. Last night we had the penultimate college football rankings. Is that well, I guess penultimate no. will be next week. Penultimate right. Tuesday
0: week. is penultimate. I made that mistake. I originally it's the only time of year I use that word. I use it one time every three hundred and sixty five days. So I double check that. This Tuesday, penultimate, a week from Sunday, final.
1: All right, so here's where we are. I think people are pretty familiar. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Michigan. Number four, TCU. Those are your four undefeated teams. They've got LSU in there at number five, USC at number six, Alabama at number seven. I think this is where we sort of have the cutoff a little bit about your actual chances of making the playoff. Uh, Clemson, number eight. Oregon number 9, Tennessee drops to number 10 after losing to South Carolina. So, Paul, I think the picture is is fairly clear, although it could get complicated. And let's let's start with this Alabama issue. They're number 7. I've heard all this talk that Alabama can sneak in the back door, you know, if if all hell breaks loose over these next couple of weeks, TCU loses, USC loses, Georgia beats LSU, that, that Alabama is going to be in the playoff because the committee wants them there. I will say I don't see a path. I think Alabama's – I don't see any way Alabama can backdoor their way into this thing.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was just about to ask you, tell me what that scenario is because it's, it's too complicated for me to have off the top of my head. It's not just TCU losing. TCU's got to lose twice. Um, SC's got to lose. Um, Michigan's got to get blown out. It's too complicated. I don't. I don't buy that. Yeah, I, it's obviously possible. I just be would be interested in a really in a realistic scenario that made that happen. And I can't think of one off the top of my head. Realistically, I can't. Yeah, I think man, I, the biggest issue with Alabama at seven is what it says about Clemson. I don't know if that's what you're about to get into, but I think it says yeah. a lot about Clemson, right?
1: Yeah, because you've got a two loss Alabama team, and, and granted, their two losses were both super close. Uh, but Clemson's sitting there ten and one, and. Look, Clemson. If they win the ACC, and they've still got to play South Carolina this weekend, and and you know that may no be no bargain. We'll talk about them mm-hmm. in in a, in a little while. But uh, you know they have got South Carolina, and then they're going to play North Carolina in the ACC championship. North Carolina's number seventeen, but if North Carolina loses that game, I mean they're basically. I don't know that they'll be out of the top twenty five, but they'll fall a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just like Clemson will jump Alabama. I think on the on that basis, but I don't know how much more they how much more room they really have to go up.
0: Yeah, I to me the, the takeaway is that they're not gonna leapfrog SC. And that's the, really the important thing. We don't talk about them in LSU because we know LSU's ahead of them now and certainly would stay ahead of them if they beat Georgia. Likewise LSU and SC, but the Clemson SC dynamic is um, pretty not like outright said or written on Tuesday night, but it seems pretty clear to me that Clemson is not going to be able to leapfrog SC. Just look at the math of it. SC's got number 15, Notre Dame, and then a team that is currently in the top 14 of the playoff rankings, either as Utah, Washington, or Oregon. So I just don't, it doesn't add up for Clemson. So them being a high in Alabama is almost like a subtle nudge, like they're in this thing, but they're not they don't have the ammunition to leapfrog Alabama potentially, let alone SC at number six. So that's what I thought of it.
1: There was an interesting moment on the show last night on ESPN where Greg McElroy basically just like kind of asked Kirk Herbstreet, what what does Clemson what does Clemson do that's that's great? What do they do that's that's really good? And you know, and like Herbie's kind of sitting there and you know, he's kind of fumbling around a little bit. He says, Well, you know, they play. They play really good defense, and, um, you know, they can run it with Will Shipley, but, eh, yeah, you know, it's like it fizzles out really fast when you start talking about what are the great things Clemson does because there just isn't much there. Now, the great thing they do is win games, but in 10-1, and 11-1, 12-1, and if that's where they end up, like it's a really good record. But when you have that one loss, which is a 21-point loss to Notre Dame – and you don't really have good wins you know they 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 have a win over wake forest which is okay the the best win they have right now is is florida state which is which is number 16 and you know florida state could end up assuming they beat florida they're going to be a top 15 team you know great great job mike norvell to likely get this team to nine and three Mm -hmm. um but yeah like like let's just say Ohio State loses to Michigan. And you've got Ohio State's resume with the win over Notre Dame from early in the season, the double digit win on the road at Penn State, and then, you know, basically having beaten a bunch of nobodies. How does that stack up against Clemson that would have, you know, again, Florida State, you know, Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State? I would almost say I'm not sure in that scenario that, that Clemson would be above Ohio State. I, I think I would like Ohio State's not only their resume better, but I would still like their team better, assuming they you know lose a competitive game to Michigan.
0: Yeah, and we'll get into this later on in the show. But when we talk about Ohio State-Michigan and what happens to the loser, we need to specifically say what happens to Michigan if they lose. Because I think Ohio State, like you mentioned, if they're 11-1, and it's a thirty-one thirty loss to Michigan. I, I yeah, I think they stay ahead of Clemson. I really do. Even with one fewer loss and no conference championship, let alone a division championship, I think Ohio State would stay ahead of them um, if the loss is competitive. Because the there's just this simple eyeball test that tells you Ohio State is better than Clemson. Yeah. And if you have if you ask Herb Street or anyone, what does Ohio State do well? You don't fumble.
1: You no. Know what I mean, very easy to identify what they do well. Uh, mm-hmm. Now. I don't think they always do it as well as they should. Right. But they do have very clear strengths and attributes. And if you're just lining teams up, who could actually win a national championship? They're, you know, one of what, maybe two, max yeah. three teams in the conversation at this point. Um, L- LSU, the scenario is very clear. They're number five. They're two losses. Nobody's ever made the playoff with two losses. They would have to beat Georgia. If they beat Georgia, they're going to get in. If they don't beat Georgia, they're out. Mm-hmm. Georgia, if they lose to LSU, I would say is is likely, very, very likely in. But I do think there are some scenarios where, you know, if Georgia lost, let's say, by two touchdowns to LSU, where you maybe start to take a second look at Georgia's, at Georgia's resume and you may, you know, may, maybe not quite as good as you think.
0: Only way Georgia doesn't get in is if they get destroyed, and Ohio State loses by, by yeah. an inch. Yeah, but but it's possible. I just I I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Georgia's in. It's like last year. Georgia's in no matter what, as long as they beat Georgia Tech. All
1: right, and then TCU, eleven and zero. We know that their situation is win two games, and they're going to be in the college football playoff. Um, they have the best strength of record among these teams uh, because just they have beaten they've just beaten a series of quality opponents all year long and that's sort of the mo of the big 12 right now. Uh, they're not always perfect. They don't always look dominant. They survived by the absolute hair of their chin against Baylor last weekend. You would think they are going to, I don't want to say cruise, but they shouldn't have a huge problem with Iowa State. At home this weekend.
0: They're going to have a huge problem with Iowa State because, because they, they have, have... A, huge, a huge problem with everybody. You know, and that's funny about TCU. Um, the strength of record thing, I think I saw that in the last 10 or 14 days and it kind of blew my mind because I'm as guilty as anybody as looking at how they've won instead of who they've beat. I and mean, when you take a step back and look at who they've beat. It's a really nice collection of top third power five opponents. Like it's just a really nice run of teams. It is by far by far a stronger resume than Ohio State or Michigan and definitely Michigan. So they they've beaten a lot of really good teams. I just feel like their MO is to is to get into a 4 quarter game. Iowa State has only played that sort of game all year, so I hesitate to say that they're going to like blow them out. To me it, it almost has to be like a 58 minute game.
1: Yeah, I I don't want to suggest they're going to blow them out, but I think it's they're they're the clear favorite to to wrap wrap up an undefeated regular season at home. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But I think what's what's most interesting about the TCU situation is if you project it out and they end up playing Kansas State in the Big 12 Championship, Kansas State's, I think, their most likely opponent. Uh, Kansas State's got to beat Kansas, and, and that'll do the deed. They're up to number 12 in the committee rankings. So let's say that we get to the Big 12 Championship game and Kansas State wins. And TCU's there at 11-1, having lost to a team that by virtue of that win would vault you know, into the top 10. They'd be like number eight or number nine. And so at that point, actually, TCU's previous win over Kansas State would actually look better at that mm-hmm. point. They beat Kansas State 38-28 back on October 22nd. So if TCU's sitting there at uh, 12-1 and and their only loss is in the Big 12 championship game to a top 10 Kansas State team, does that move TCU out or would they still have a chance? I actually think there's a, you know, and maybe I'm just being naive and maybe the committee's going to look at the TCU brand and just shove them to the side. But I think based on blind resume, I think they'd be right there still very much alive to get in the top four.
0: Yeah, and, and the issue for me would be the subtle comments and remarks they've made about TCU over the past few weeks. You know, so it seems like, I don't know if they're, they, they're not that smart or they're going to like planned a devious plan to eject TCU based off something they said on in mid-October, but there's clearly not uh, a deep and undying affection for TCU from that group. So they may use it as an excuse, but we're on the topic of resumes. The only separator from 12-1 TCU and 12-1 Clemson is the conference championship, because if you take that out of the mix, TCU at 12-1 still has a dramatically better resume than Clemson. And at the very least, give the committee credit for never conflating those two teams like throughout this process it's been tcu's got a better resume than clemson we don't like the way they win but you can't put these two teams in the same class certainly when they have a different record but even at 12 and one both teams tcu's got the better resume
1: yeah i don't think there's any question about it and then obviously for usc they're sitting there at number six um and they're going to have two tough games to finish notre dame saturday night abc at home and then the pac-12 championship where they could face washington they could face utah they'll most likely face oregon mm-hmm. that's uh, that's the the most probable outcome oregon's number 9 so they're going to have two opportunities against ranked teams to finish this thing off and you know i th- i think usc i think usc now you know i guess there's a chance that if lsu beats georgia and you have both of those two teams in and then you have you know the winner of Ohio State Michigan and then undefeated TCU I guess there's a chance USC could be on the outside looking in maybe mm-hmm. but i mean again another team that if they are able to pull this off would have an unbelievable resume despite you know despite the flaws that we know they have
0: right um, it's weird it's to think about it this way to me looking at their their schedule last night and think and going over what their map is If they're 12 and one having won three games in a row against top 18 teams ucla notre dame oregon whomever you can't keep them out and not just you can't keep them out they've earned it i would want to see them on that stage i think they would have earned the opportunity to compete on that stage without being a laughing stock i think a lot of teams at number four even clemson you're going to look at and be like well watch out like shield your eyes don't let the kids watch this against georgia I'm not saying Georgia might not do the same against SC, but SC having done that, I think would have earned the chance to compete on that stage without anyone rolling their eyes. So I would love to see them get in um, because they're so much fun to watch. Caleb Williams is incredible, uh, incredibly fun and effective. This offense is just flying all over the place. They can't stop anyone on defense. It's a total train wreck, but they're enjoyable and it's fun to watch them. I think it'd be good for college football to get them in, not just for the Pac-12, but for college football in general to get SC at number four.
1: Yeah, I don't know how good the game would be, but I think we'd all be pretty excited to watch Caleb Williams and USC in the peach bowl up against Georgia, you know, trying to see if Caleb Williams can solve that defense. That's mm-hmm. I think that's what everybody wants to see.
0: Be a hell of a matchup. Georgia by twenty eight, but it would be it'd be fun for like <laughs> seven or eight minutes. No, I think SC has the has the talent to, to score some points on Georgia. But hey, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I just think is a good story. Uh, you know, Hey, look, right now, just to think about this, I don't know if we've, I mean, certainly have never seen anything like this, and no one would have better predicted it. Teams four, five, and six in the playoff rankings, first-year head coaches, and each of those teams coming off down years. That's, that's only in 2022 are you seeing that. It's Dykes, Kelly, Riley.
1: Yeah, it just goes to show you the value of, of really good coaching, and you know, I think TCU had good coaching before, but it was just there was just something not right chemistry-wise with the way that Gary was managing that team. Uh, Sonny's come in there and push the right buttons. You know, I think with LSU they were a very poorly coached team last year, and I don't know. I guess the preseason predictions just didn't really account for the Brian Kelly effect. Like people were pretty down on LSU preseason. And I, I thought they would overperform just because the delta between you know Orgeron and Kelly is just is that significant. And I think the same thing with USC. I mean, it had been a mess and, and a disaster. And obviously that one is is fueled also by personnel and, mm-hmm. and what they did in the transfer portal. So there's different ways to do it, different ways to improve. But clearly the, the schools that went out targeted a big time head coach with a track record of, of winning it's paying off for them right away.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So that's, that's the playoff picture. Um, You know, last weekend was interesting in college football because we had all of these contenders in trouble. Uh, I wrote a column this week that, that, you know, I I wouldn't say it laments, but it certainly brings up the idea that, Hey, when we go to a 12 team playoff in the next few years, it's going to feel a little bit different. It's going to, Be, you're not going to have the same sort of collective experience watching Baylor try to hold off TCU while Illinois comes from behind to take the lead on Michigan, and both those teams, you know, living on the knife's edge of the playoff chase, and then what that's like. I, I don't know. I just there's there's something exhilarating about that that's inherent to the. Very small, exclusive nature of the current college football postseason that is not going to be the same. When yeah, if Michigan loses to Illinois, it's not great, but hey, they're still going to be they're still going to be easily in the top twelve, you know. So there's going to be different pressure points. There's going to be different um, dramas that play out, and there's definitely going to be more games that are relevant to the playoff chase. No doubt about that. You're going to gain that. But this is what you're going to lose. And I think last week and then this week to an extent with the matchups, I think is a great illustration of that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, trying to think back to 2013, 2014, what our great fears were about how the 14 playoff would impact the regular season. They probably were a lot like what we're saying right now. It hasn't I didn't been really told, have
1: a lot of fears,
0: but yeah, about how it would dilute things. I mean, obviously, I, going to 12 does a lot more than going to four, but. You don't remember what else we talked about, like a, well,
1: that a was history. a talking point. That was a talking point with with administrators or people who who, who were pro BCS, um, but that really has not played out that way at all. In in fact, it's it's done the opposite, and and again, it will do the opposite when it goes to twelve. In the sense that, you know, hey, like Notre Dame is an example, started incredibly slow and. Was written off, and now here they come late in the season. If this was a twelve-team playoff, Notre Dame having the chance to go to USC would be something that hey, they might get in. You know, if they win this game, they right. might they may jump into the top twelve. You know, so or you know, Florida State, Florida, Florida State. If they win that game, boy, they're going to need a couple things to happen, but you know, but they'd have an outside shot at, at getting in. Right. You know, so it's it's different. It, it just shifts the window a little bit, but and that'll be great too. It's just, I'm sorry, it's not going to be the same to say, yeah, TCU. It doesn't matter if they lose to Baylor because they're getting in no
0: matter what. Yeah, um, expansion of any kind, like once you start diluting that pool, you're, you see a decline in like your your overall production. Like you're expanding the product, you're going to see a dilution of it. So that would be my slight concern is that when the games start to matter a little bit less, why do we care just as much? Yeah. Um, like this seems unlikely, this scenario that I'm, that I'm going to paint, but it, this would be my real fear. And I know it's not going to happen. Like for example, this past Sunday in New York, the Jets paid, played the Pats and it was for first place in the AFC East. If that's what they still call that division. And that's an important game. But like, it's kind of forgotten by Monday. You know what I mean? It's a game for first place. But there's more opportunities to get to first place, other ways to get to first place. So really, it doesn't matter that much. I don't know what the analog is to that in college football, what, like, how to compare that. But I don't want games like that. Like, I don't want games that are in November with two top 12 or 13 team ranked teams that don't matter. Um, because you could say, well, they can just you know do this next week and do that. So I'm worried that that might happen to a degree. But like you said, it didn't really happen in 2014. So we tend to overblow and create boogeymen when we don't need to.
1: All right, fair enough. Um, What did you make overall, though, of last week? Like, if you're looking at Michigan, you know, are there now some cracks and concerns? That was really the first game in which they had been challenged deep in a fourth quarter. And it took, you know, it took a lot for them to win you know, the TCU thing, like, are we just sort of waiting for a regression to the mean because they keep getting themselves in these, you know, in these pickles and, and they find a way out of them every time, Mm -hmm. but they're constantly getting behind the eight ball. And, and, you know, the end of that game was really a coin flip. I mean, it could have gone, it could have gone either way. Um, you know, those two teams in particular are, are you, do you think, do you think less of them now after the, escapes that they had to get out of.
0: No, I mean, it's hard to think less of Michigan just because they had one scrape. I mean They've had 10 games in a row before that where there was no real issue at all. But, like, if you want to be more specific, I think coming out of that game for Michigan, my concern is that... Injuries. Yeah, injuries. And if it's third down and eight... Yeah. What's the What are you going to do? Um, we have not talked about J.J. McCarthy since, like, September 10th we haven't needed to because he's had a he's he's basically like been driving from the back seat for the entire season credit to him he doesn't make mistakes he's got a high completion percentage he does what he's asked to do but i guess i come out of illinois even though that's a top 5 defense nationally and think man like you get in a situation with ohio state I'm not saying it's like 31-10 and you got to fight back but it's it's midway through the third and it's 28-21 and ohio State's just scored 14 points out of the break and you're, it's loud, and it's nasty, and you've got to start from your own 17 or whatever, and you've got to get points. Like, I don't know. I'm just concerned. I'm more concerned today than I am solely because I don't know what they can do in that quarterback B quarterback setting. So that's my takeaway from the weekend. That you win by two points. It happens to everybody. I don't care too much about that.
1: Yeah, it was a strange game for Michigan because Blake Corum uh, got hurt, and – you know, I don't know what his status is is really going to be. Uh, Donovan Edwards didn't play; he was injured as well. So, I mean, basically, you're talking about, you know, the two real playmakers on that offense mm-hmm. were both were both out, so that has an impact. And I think you got to give Illinois credit; that's a very good defensive team. Oh yeah, uh, very well coached, and they they had, you know, they had it. Uh, they had Michigan figured out. I don't know if Ohio State is actually capable of shutting michigan down to that degree i mean we saw the way the game played out last year where michigan just was more physical and tougher on the line of scrimmage and was able to kind of do what they wanted running the ball Mm -hmm. i think michigan can do that again but i think they need to have those guys healthy and that's where uh, you just you just don't know because there's not going to be a lot of information coming out of michigan between now and then
0: no we'll know at like 1202 eastern time Probably not even maybe at twelve o five twelve o six what the story is, but yeah, they need to be full strength, do we want to get into this game do we want to yeah well, I mean Department let's just State?
1: do it because let's well and it. Yeah. because because I also think you have question marks about Ohio State here, um yeah, they could have lost to Maryland really easily, yeah. you know, and they're not healthy, they've not been healthy with the wide receiving core that was supposed to be you know the greatest we've ever seen. it's you know. I mean, it's just been a a nightmare season. Jackson Smith Enigma, just nothing going on there. And, um, you know, they they still have all their, they still have a lot of weapons uh, and they still have a great quarterback in CJ Stroud. But um, I don't know, man. Like I have just all season long been, been looking at Ohio State like there's something missing here. They're not firing on all cylinders. I don't know if at this point in the year, if you haven't been that team, that you can suddenly be that team in week 13
0: yeah and can you suddenly be that team with all the outside stuff happening this week as much you try to tune it out you know you're playing michigan you know the environment's going to be like are you able in that setting mentally physically to find your a game maybe i mean a great team would find it on saturday and maybe ohio state is that great team Um, i was thinking earlier this week and and i was thinking of a metaphor for this game and what i came up with was that ohio state is like a, a tsunami you know just like destroying things in their path and michigan is more like the steady beat of waves on the beach that'll like erode things over a thousand <clears throat> years um the tsunami wins in the head-to-head competition but michigan if they get in their their rhythm like they did last year they get in their tempo and they have momentum and they're finding success on first down and they're hitting ohio state early four five six yards a top, those waves on the beach i think will carry them to victory um i thought i thought Michigan was going to win this game for like several months. It's just been kind of my feeling about it. And I can't back away from that now. I'm not as confident about it after Illinois because of the reasons I mentioned, like not that these are new concerns about JJ McCarthy, but I think they've got put into pretty stark contrast in that game. So I'm not feeling confident about it, Dan, but I do think Michigan can repeat their blueprint from last season and beat Ohio state again. So I'm going to go with them in a very close game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't want to switch now after kind of pumping Michigan up all year as they're going to win this game, they're going to win this game. I mean, the circumstances change, and and maybe it's just not meant to be because uh, their guys aren't healthy. But uh, I don't know. There's just something about Ohio State that bothers me, you know, and and – I think this is a big game for Ryan Day. This is a massive game for Ryan Day. You know, Ryan Day is, I think, a very good coach. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think all of the boxes at Ohio State that you would want to check are being checked. They recruit really well. They win the games they're supposed to win. You know, he's gotten to a national championship game. Uh, But two losses in a row to Michigan, I think, would... It would raise some questions about the overall health of the program that Ohio State fans and administrators uh, would want answers to. And, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, like, do do hot takes here. But I do think if if Ohio State loses this game, like, the pressure's going to be on Ryan Day in a major, major way. Going into next year, you know, maybe to the point where, you know, he yeah, maybe he does look at the NFL or something like that. I don't know. Like it you can't lose to Michigan twice in a row if you're Ohio State.
0: No, you definitely can't. And they haven't in, you know, twenty four years, so or twenty-three years, twenty-two years. I got that one. So yeah, it would definitely raise some eyebrows. That's not a hot take to me um at all. I think that at the very minimum it, remi- it would remind me a bit of the Mark Helfrich situation. Not yeah. apples to apples, because Day is has more than Helfrich has shown that he can pilot this program beyond what was left for him. But people turned on Helfrich. Honestly, they turned on Helfrich w- way, way, way too soon. But they turned Very on fast. Helfrich uh, early in year, basically in year two, is when they realized you're not Chip Kelly and we're not going to support you and we're just waiting to get our next coach. Day's not going to be, it's not going to be that bad but going 0-2 or losing two in a row against michigan is definitely going to open up uh, uh like an off-season conversation among people who don't necessarily matter yeah. but nonetheless who are represent the drumbeat of that fan base and that's a concern and yeah uh would it drive you out of ohio state i don't know but you definitely don't want to be on three i mean <laughs> Obviously, like you've lost two in a row, you go into next year, and you are shaking in your boots at the idea of losing three in a row because there's no coming back from that.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fascinating scenario. Just the standards are so high there, and you know everything is set up for them to win. You look at the recruiting rankings. I mean, they blow Michigan out of the water in recruiting every single year, every year. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think that's actually been the, the biggest surprise to me of the Harbaugh era, is that they just have not been able to they just haven't been able to really get the kind of traction in recruiting nationally that that I thought they would. You know, Harbaugh came in, stormed in and he was doing satellite camps and mm-hmm. you know innovating and going down and doing spring spring practice at IMG Academy and you know just all this stuff and it just doesn't feel like much of it's paid off and yeah, they're they're finding dudes, they're developing dudes they're they're playing and leaning into a a style of football that fits that fits the 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 school it fits the conference the weather it fits what harbaugh wants to do and if we're looking up and it just looks like michigan's getting more out of their program than ohio state is then that's not a coach that can stay at ohio state for the long term
0: yeah yeah uh Michigan definitely develops at a very high level. I mean, on the topic of their recruiting, I'm, I'm just more surprised they don't have, like, just one guy every year who they out-recruit everybody for. I'm not saying they do that on 10 guys, but just one five-star quarterback receiver. Or, yeah, just find
1: them. one good quarterback. Yeah.
0: Um, that makes it worse, As I think, which I think at the points you're getting at. That makes it worse to be Ohio State, to, like, score 48, 77, 52 points all season long, show off all these guys that are just off the charts NFL ability and then play Michigan who you out recruit every single year and then get kind of smushed by a bunch of dudes who maybe were lightly recruited by Ohio State but weren't number one on their board. That makes it worse. Makes it much, much worse.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating scenario and that's why there's just so much at, at stake in this game and and it's gonna be awesome. I, I don't I don't know if you checked the weather do we know what the weather's gonna be like
0: I don't know. I'm expecting it to be, uh, you know, forties, mid forties that time of year. Let's take a look.
1: Oh, it's definitely going to be cold. I just you know, are we are we looking at any precipitation or anything no. like that?
0: No. Okay, let's see. What do we got? No,
1: no, no precipitation, and uh, I want no. snow, man. I want flurries.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want snow too. Not enough snow games this year. Only one. Am I right? Am I, that I'm, am I missing one? We had that midweek action. Uh, snowmageddon. But yeah, no snow games this year, anyway.
1: And and just to to kind of put a bow on on what's going on in the Big Ten, the winner of this game is um, oh, actually, by the way, uh, I'm just looking at it right now, Columbus, Ohio for Saturday. Partly cloudy skies in the morning will give way to occasional showers in the afternoon. Whoa. So so we might have some rain. Could be a nasty okay. day. Fif, you know, high forties,
0: fifty degrees and rainy, according to Emily. Okay, all right, I'm into that. We can work with that. I'm into- we can definitely get that going.
1: Um, the winner is probably going to play Iowa. Yes. What a freak! What a freaking joke!
0: <laughs> Give Iowa all the credit in the world uh, for being so bad, so inept on offense, and still getting to a Big Ten championship game. I mean, you know who should be embarrassed? Not the Big Ten. Illinois, Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin. Yeah, you guys should all be embarrassed that you let Iowa win the division. Watch Iowa then beat. Ohio State, can you imagine? Or they would beat Michigan, but imagine them beating Ohio State. Be well.
1: Let's hit coaching carousel real quick. Um, We've seen some developments on the Nebraska front. Lance Leipold, contract extension with Kansas.
0: Um, Kalen DeBoer at Washington, so he, he was able to parlay some stuff. Yeah, uh, who else? Someone else. We're missing one other guy.
1: Uh, with a contract extension?
0: Yeah, who got? No, it's not technically. I think Kleiman just had something kick in. So you're right. Those are the two guys who have cashed in based off uh, based right. off their own success, but also partially because of outside interest.
1: So at this point, you know, it, you have to sort of look at it. All right, are are a bunch of guys saying no to Nebraska and and just using Nebraska to get extensions? Or are they looking for extensions or re-signing with their schools because Nebraska's already got their guy, which some people would point to Matt Rule as sort of the white whale hire that they could make. Um, I am inclined to believe, uh, and, and I, I'm, this is not reporting exactly, uh, but just based on sort of what I've heard, I am not inclined to believe that, that Nebraska's got Matt Rule locked up Um, but you know, we'll find out pretty soon. And if they don't uh, have that rule, then what happens?
0: Well, that's a great point. I was, that's what I was going to say. I don't believe that that rule is signed, sealed and delivered, but I also don't believe that it's done. So I think we need to keep that in mind, but let's go with the, with the probability that that's not going to happen, which I think is still the probability plan. I mean, what's plan one B and also then like. Is there someone off the radar conceivably that you think could be in the mix for this job? Off the radar, meaning someone that we are not discussing. And the only reason I ask it is because we have no idea what has happened with this search. It's been extremely quiet and there's been nothing tangible to come out of it. Do you think that there's someone out there who maybe we're not thinking about?
1: I mean, Dave Doran's a name that's come up a lot.
0: I think that's a good hire, honestly. Like He's boring,
1: I, I boring, but good
0: what is nebraska uh i mean when they when they were good certainly boring was not a bad description of what they were about so um i think that'd be a good like you mentioned gary patterson last time we were we were discussing this that would be this disaster but i think dave dorm would be a would be a very solid hire also who do they who do they think they're gonna hire so dave dorm would be good i know you tweeted that earlier i wasn't sure if he had any other names not really yeah that's just the way it is we'll find out soon though i mean look here's the thing. If we don't find out Saturday morning, then I think we can say it's going to be, it's going to be Chris climate because his team is going to be playing in a game the following Saturday, or maybe it's maybe it's Luke fickle. I don't know. Just, just throwing it out there. Yeah. I mean,
1: that's come up. That's come up as well. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see. Fickle. I don't see fickle there. Um, And if you're Luke Fickle, by the way, I think you might just want to see where this thing with Ryan Day goes. You know, and and is that a – because that's the job he wants, right? That's the job he would would want is to be the Ohio State head coach. And, you know, it's possible Ryan Day's there for another 15 years and he never gets another opportunity. It's also possible that maybe within the next three years he gets that chance. So you just don't know. I wouldn't necessarily – Leave what you got going at Cincinnati to, to go to Nebraska, but I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it seems like uh, Wisconsin is going to probably end up just giving Jim Leonard the full time job, which. I mean, I understand they really believe in Jim Leonard. Um, I don't think Wisconsin's played all that well. They've they've been a little bit better under Leonard than they were under Paul Christ, but. It's not like been some big in season turnaround. You know, maybe if you are at Wisconsin in the in that building, you just sort of write this off as hey, this is actually a Graham Mertz problem, a quarterback mm-hmm. problem, more than anything, and that you don't want to lose Jim Leonard. He's too good. And he'll get his own offensive coordinator in there and they'll get a new quarterback and everything will be cool. I, I guess that's what they're banking on.
0: Yeah, and I think uh being like not able to reinvent the wheel during the season. I don't think that's a reflection on Leonard. I, I think we'll know and get a better idea of what kind of program he's going to run. Like you said, in the first couple months of the winter, that's who he hires as coordinator. Uh, what do you see them do in recruiting? Has there, will they change the way they approach the investment they have made in recruiting into NIL? I'm looking for those program changes. I just don't think he was at the heavy ability to like just completely changed everything at that point of the season. So, like you said, it's, they haven't played that great, but it hasn't thought it's not going to stop him from getting the job. That's an obvious that's obviously going to happen.
1: Uh, there's been some smoke around Deion Sanders in South Florida. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, there's been some talk about Dion. A little bit of talk about Dion with Colorado. Um, that one would seem like an odd fit to me. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall's been brought up with Colorado, and that actually would make a ton of sense. Mendenhall would be a good Nebraska name.
0: Definitely. I wonder, he would have been a great hire the last two times they had openings. And I'm a big fan of his. I just don't yeah. know if at this point, it's a, that's a really massive rebuilding project. But yeah, when they when that Colorado job came open, I wrote right away that Mendenhall was the dream hire. So he would be just a fantastic get for them.
1: Yeah, and he's, you know, take, take took the year off and we'll see, you know, we'll see if he's ready to jump back in right away. It seems like he would have some options. And then with Auburn... Um all the talk's been Lane Kiffin. You know that Jimmy Sexton is working his magic playing mm-hmm. Ole Miss and Auburn against each other. Um we've talked about this before. The track record at Auburn of actually winning national championships is is real whereas at Ole Miss it's just theoretical. Right. Uh, you know, it it Look, the state of Alabama, it's a, it's a bigger state than Mississippi. It's more resources, more people, more money. Uh, there's a bigger pool to draw from. Uh, it's just a better job. You know, I don't know that it's like five degrees better, but it's, it's better. And I think they have probably got more NIL infrastructure set up and deeper pockets at, at Auburn and, and that's why you would do it if you're Lane also from an ego standpoint to be the foil to Nick Saban in the state of Alabama I mean it just all lines up right
0: yeah it's too perfect I, I mean I, I can't I don't know what would keep him at Old Miss like what, what would be the what would be the thing that keeps him there compared to the Auburn job yeah it's not you know Notre Dame compared to Old Miss but it's significantly you said degrees better I think it's pretty obviously better on a on a number of different levels. Now if he now, if he if he does go down, what is next for Old Miss? Like you have gotten I mean just Kiffin was such an outstanding hire. I don't know how you recapture that. Does Dion get into the mix there? Is Dion for re- I mean, that's just we've spoken positively about Dion and we'll talk about it more, but very quickly, is this a serious thing? I mean I, I know that's what people want to know because I want to know that as well. Is it is it serious in terms of what? Serious in terms of like when or if Kiffin takes the Auburn job, you're going to immediately see a number of people write either directly about hiring Dion at Ole Miss, or at the very minimum, you make your list of the three to five guys and Dion is on. For a job like Ole Miss, you're seeing South Florida, you're seeing Colorado. South Florida, you can see very blatantly, Colorado, worst Power 5 program, you can maybe see it. Is Ole Miss, is that serious? Is that something that you would actually take seriously?
1: I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I think Ole Miss could talk themselves into wanting to make that splash, because um, I think they probably internally look at it and say that's 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 how we compete. You know, is to kind of be the 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 outlier, and and that's how they've competed in the past in the SEC is when they've been sort of the outlier, and that's I think what they're going to have to do and. Yeah. Maybe Dion's the guy there. I don't know. I still think like, I, I don't know. I still see him like at Arizona state. I still think that would be, that would be fun. I mean, there's, you know, Arizona state, Kenny Dillingham, uh, from, from Oregon is certainly a name, uh, there, uh, Georgia tech, by the way, I think there's a much better chance now than what we saw initially that Brent key is just going to be promoted full time. um, the other name at, at Georgia Tech is Jamie Chadwell.
0: How do you not give Key the job, Dan? I mean, regardless of whether they lose by forty on Saturday, how do you not the way that well, they played?
1: They've definitely gotten a lot better. You know, uh, I think they're five and six, which is I, I actually thought even you know beginning of the season I actually didn't think they'd be five and seven given the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got the win over North Carolina. They won at Virginia Tech. Um, you know, frankly, they should have beat Virginia. Uh, you know, they, they beat Pitt earlier this year. Like, they've, they've had some moments under mm-hmm. Key. And, um, you know, I, I think for an athletic department that's in a bit of a financial pickle, it would help relieve some of their issues mm-hmm. to promote him. I know he's got some some money behind him. I think he, he would have a good chance of sort of harnessing the NIL thing. So, yeah, I, I would say at this point there's a lot more momentum to the Brent Key thing than than any other possibility at Georgia Tech.
0: Yeah, good. I think he's done a fantastic job.
1: He has. Um, so that's kind of where we are with the coaching carousel. Let's, uh, let's just sort of get into more of what uh, we're going to be talking about this weekend. All right, Thursday night we got the Egg Bowl. Again, Ole Miss, you know, I don't know if it's the stress of of the Kiffin rumors or whatever, or the exhaustion of getting beat by Bama, but they laid an absolute egg at Arkansas. They were not competitive. It it the final score was 42 27, but that game was over. You know, I, I think they were down like they were down forty two to six at one point in that game. So just just a no show. I, I will say I think this might be, I don't know, I, I think they'll play better. But I think this might be a Mississippi State upset here.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I. I guess it's an upset by the point spread, but based off the way Miss, Ole Miss has played, this like kind of undefinable idea that they've got some other things on their mind potentially with Kiffin and the fact that Mississippi State's not. We haven't talked about them in a couple of weeks, but they're they're moderately good football team even in the SEC. So yeah, I'm going to Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. But who knows? I mean, any, anything and everything will probably happen. But I'm with you. I'll take the Bulldogs.
1: All right. Uh, Tulane, Cincinnati. This is Friday noon on ABC. The winner of this game will be uh, in the AAC championship game. Tulane is um, 9-2. and Cincinnati's 9-2. and Cincinnati's a two-point favorite. I mean, this is just a massive game for Tulane. I mean, it's a big game for both. But, I mean, Cincinnati was in the playoff last year. Mm-hmm. you know so I, I think it's just different tulane is trying to do something extremely unique at, at their program win the aac and go to the cotton bowl tulane was good enough to beat ucf they just didn't get it done had some bad luck mm-hmm. in that game i think they're going to win at this time cincinnati's cincinnati's won so many close games this year i think it's a regression game
0: okay i'm with you cincinnati is definitely flawed um if we want to talk, say good things about Cincinnati, we'd probably sound a lot like Herb Street. We'd be like, "Uh, they they play defense." But I'm going to go the other way and say that Cincinnati, having been in this moment, even though I know the stars from last year's team are gone, but they've been on the stage. They they know how to prepare mentally, physically, all that nonsense. So I'm going Cincinnati in another close one. I think Cincinnati keeping Tulane to 20 would be one hell of an achievement, but. I think they could possibly do that. It's maybe like 24-20, 24-21, something like that. And then they'll play UCF as long as UCF beats South Florida. Which then obviously the the winner of that game goes in and and takes into year six.
1: Yes. Uh, I I know Tulane would love another shot at UCF. Um, You got Baylor at Texas. Texas is an eight and a half point favorite trying to get to eight wins. I think they probably will get that done at home. Although Baylor Baylor's a very unpredictable team. Mm-hmm. Um you don't know how they're going to look from week to week. North Carolina hosting NC State on Friday afternoon 3:30. Uh the 7:30 game on ABC Florida at Florida State will be interesting. Uh, again, Mike Norvell, great job this year. I think they really need some recruiting pop at Florida State. That's the one thing that maybe they haven't quite figured out yet is is in-state recruiting, and I know that if they have an opportunity to put it on the Gators and make a statement in recruiting, they're going to do that. If Florida ends up 6-6, and I think you can only say it's a disappointing first year for Billy Napier.
0: Yeah, well, it's also about the nature of the losses. You know what I mean? And it's going to be really hard for me, and I'm sure even harder for folks down in Gainesville to overlook you losing to Vanderbilt. It's just for all the goodwill you want to give a dude in year one and all that he's earned in his career, which has been universally successful up through November of this year, um, that's the kind of loss that lingers for a long time. So I, I'm with you 100%. If Florida State does to do Florida what they did to Miami, or even a, an approximation of that, I'm talking 31-10, uh, 31-14, that's a really, it's a really bad way to end this season. Yeah, and An awesome way for Florida State, but Florida will have to, we're going to limp into the bowl play and have to really redefine their energy in the offseason to get some mojo back because, yeah, they weren't this bad. They were this bad at times last year but they no one expect them to be at this point I think I still I think most people thought 7 and 5 8 and 4 regardless of him being the first year guy okay.
1: All right so now we move to Saturday at noon uh three games in the noon window involving top 25 teams Georgia Tech at Georgia I think we know what's going to happen there we've already talked about Michigan Ohio State um but also South Carolina going to Clemson Clemson is a 14 and a half point favorite obviously must win for them to hang in the playoff picture. South Carolina is coming off a performance against Tennessee that hardly anybody saw coming. I mean, they knocked the balls out of the playoff race. Everybody thought the balls were going to backdoor their way in. Just all they had to do is beat South Carolina and beat Vandy. Oh no. Oh no. Here comes Spencer Rattler having the yeah. game of his life. I mean, look, here's what I'll say about South Carolina. And I think it's a great credit to Shane Beamer is, he knows how to get those guys mentally ready to play a big game. They they are not the greatest team in the world. Uh, we know what their flaws are, but they stay aggressive. And when they execute, like they executed against Tennessee, they're really hard to beat. Now, they're playing against a much tougher defense this time at Clemson. Tennessee's defense fell apart. But that was just great execution, mostly by Spencer Rattler to – lead five touchdown drives in the first five possessions against Tennessee to get the lead in that game. And then in the second half, they were just going downhill again. And, um, hey, if he's that accurate again against uh, Clemson, they're going to have a shot. Shane Beamer is what I now call a disruptor. That's his role <laughs> in the SEC. He's a disruptor.
0: Absolutely. Uh, his team is a bunch of laboratory retrievers. And beamer is as well that's kind of his personality they are just like all over the place they're high energy uh sometimes they get in their own way a lot of the time they do they'll like run into walls trip on their own feet but when they're working well and everything is kind of clicking they're extremely extremely fun to watch play with e- enormous energy and confidence and that's a reflection on beamer when you said 14 and a half my eyes kind of popped a bit for that line i think based on the fact they just dropped 63 on tennessee that seems very high but we've seen this movie before. I think Clemson does put the clamps down. This the career of Spencer Rattler strongly suggests that last week was the was the blip. So I think Clemson wins this game, but you can't take him that you, you can't take the Game not seriously. Yeah. I think they've earned that right.
1: Nobody would have thought even a few weeks ago that uh, Louisville, Kentucky, that Louisville would be the ranked team in this game, but they are. Kentucky's a slight favorite at home. Um, no real pick here, but it'll be interesting to see. Mark Stoops. It was revealed this week. Just got a two million dollar a year raise before the Vanderbilt game, which they lost. Uh, <laughs> Kentucky uh, is is one of the best football jobs in America. If you win just a little bit, you get basically lifetime job security. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I don't think Kentucky would be better off losing Mark Stoops. Um, good coach. Mm-hmm. Iron Bowl three thirty on CBS. You know, sometimes funky things happen, but this game's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. We can move on.
0: Don't care. I mean, it could be Bryce Young's last game. Yeah, but... So, but that's it.
1: Oregon at Oregon State. uh, Obviously, huge implications for Oregon. Oregon State's really good. I mean, eight and three. They totally are. (laughs) It's going to be tough for Oregon, but they need to win this game to to get into the Pac-12 championship.
0: Yeah, you got to just... We'll find out early in that game where Bo Nix is from a health perspective. And I think where he stands from a health perspective just dictates that. If he's back at 100%, I think Oregon's got the weapons to to force Oregon State out of his comfort zone. But Oregon State is like really, really interesting team and program. And I think it took a guy like Jonathan Smith, who knows the program, knows the area, knows what kind of people are drawn to that area to to build it. They just like are very they don't really beat themselves. And they yeah. want to make you play their game and they wanna make it low scoring. They're 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 different than the SCs, UCLA's, Oregon's, even Washingtons of the league. So um, if that game is weather-related conditions, I think Oregon State's got a real nice shot. But, yes, Oregon should win that game and get to the Pac-12 championship.
1: All right, at 4 o'clock uh, is that TCU-Iowa State game. We talked about Penn State hosting Michigan State. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Utah at Colorado. Utah clinging on to some hopes of, of getting into the Pac-12 title game, but that shouldn't be a problem. Go to the uh, 7 p.m. window Saturday, LSU at A&M. If A&M finishes four and eight, you know, there's hard to imagine paying 80 plus million to fire Jimbo, but I'm not going to put anything past AM until mm-hmm. uh, they put out that statement saying that Jimbo's coming back next year. Uh, Notre Dame at USC, 730 ABC. What do you think is going to happen here? USC's a five and a half point favorite. I, I just, USC's defense is not good, but I just don't know that Notre Dame can go score for score with these guys.
0: Yeah. And that's the reason why, I mean, I picked Notre Dame. Again, because I kind of felt this way for a couple weeks, like the Michigan thing. I just want to be consistent. Um, But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame does not want to get into an up-and-down game with SC. And SC has just not allowed themselves not to get into that game, really, since Oregon State, which was a 17-14 win. So I, I probably will look stupid for this. It's the same thing as last week, Dan. I think UCLA is the better team than USC. Like, they're the better football team. SC's got brilliant individual guys. Notre Dame is the better team than SC. I mean, I don't think that's a bold statement. They're way more balanced, but SC's got got those splash dudes, and Notre Dame simply does not. So I'll take Notre Dame for the same reason I picked UCLA. They're a better team, but SC obviously is really good, really fun to watch.
1: Interesting game at 7.30, Tennessee at Vandy. Tennessee obviously a bit down now being – Knocked out of the playoff race, and Hendon Hooker, unfortunately, a horrible torn ACL injury late in that game against South Carolina. So it's hard to know sort of what mental state Tennessee is going to be in. Vandy, on the other hand, now five and six, uh, they beat Florida, beat Kentucky, back to back SEC wins, a chance to get to six and six and and go to a bowl. Clark Lee said they were going to be the best program in college football at some point. Uh, They have taken at least a couple steps toward that this year. I don't know. I I think Vandy's got a shot.
0: Sure. And with the backup QB, like they definitely have a shot. Um, If Tennessee loses this game, I don't even know. I don't know what, I don't even know what to say about the complete and utter disappointment of like an an 8 day span. Yeah. For that program. I mean, it, it would be hard to look a back year. on this year. It's I a think it would be hard for the year to not be defined by these last two games. I just, I think it'd be hard. You'll obviously see the boost and the benefit of this nine and one start or the eight and no start, really, in terms of recruiting, in terms of energy, your top eight next year, whatever. But it'd be hard for me to overlook the fact that they were nine and one or eight and no. They lost three or four to end the year. Be tough.
1: Kansas at Kansas State. Kansas State trying to lock up a Big 12 championship game birth. And then 10 30 p.m., the Apple Cup, Washington at Washington State, uh, Washington in with the chance to make the Pac 12 title game. What do you think there?
0: Yeah, I'll take you, Doug. But we'll know at that point if it even matters. I mean, Oregon wins, it's all moved anyway.
1: And then just very quickly uh, on the Heisman race, I think this is probably the most wide open it's been at this point in the year. Uh, I think it's narrowing down. I would say going into the weekend, I would. Make Caleb Williams the favorite.
0: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: Uh, and certainly, if he plays well against Notre Dame, that will strengthen his cause. Um, is there anyone you're keeping an eye on this weekend? No.
0: No, just Stroud and Williams. Those are the only two guys to me that we need to take seriously. Drake May's out. Hooker's out. Um, Duggan, maybe. Yeah. But really, it's those two guys. And and to be honest, we know people who vote who don't wait till Saturday after conference championships to vote. They vote this week. If Caleb Williams, it's nighttime and you're at home watching that game and he goes for 400-plus against Notre Dame, I think he's going to win this thing, regardless of what Stroud did earlier in the day or regardless of what he does next weekend.
1: All right, so that's what we'll leave it for Thanksgiving week. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the College Football Fix. We are going to be dropping new episodes every Wednesday discussing the latest news and poll results from around college football. Subscribe to the College Football Fix wherever you listen and find more of our content on usatoday.com and the USA Today Sports Plus app for Eric Smith, our uh, college sports editor, for producer Emily, for Paul Meyerberg. I'm Dan Walken. Have a happy, healthy, and fun Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back here next week. The College Football Fix Podcast.
0: Just going to run this